Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. We want to get to the word of the Lord uh, this evening. We're continuing our series on what we've called Secrets in the Sanctuary dealing with uh, truths that we can find connected by types and shadows in the tabernacle. Amen. We often refer to the Christian life as uh, living by faith. Everybody heard heard that? Remember those songs? I'm living by faith. (laughs) Hey, praise the Lord, Brother B. That's great. We talk about walking in the Spirit. No matter what term you use to describe your Christian life, everything about living for God is connected to growth, maturity, perfection, progress. Amen. I'd be concerned if I was where I was last year at this time. I need to be growing. I need to be progressing. I need to get better. I want to be a better person and, 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 and mature. Amen. And so uh, thank the Lord for that truth that we can, we can find progress in the Lord. The tabernacle reveals that the coming presence of the Lord follows a accelerated, ever-advancing forward movement. Forward. Got to move forward. Somebody say forward. Amen. So the very first thing that we talked about once we get into the tabernacle, the first thing we talk about is a place called the brazen altar, and that's where... I was studying this today, and y'all, please forgive me. Uh, uh, I, I was studying this today, and I thought of these these words: "I must break you." Some of y'all catch that, maybe. Uh, but the brazen altar is a place where God breaks us. It's a place where God breaks us, so He can bless us. He can't bless us until He breaks us. And then we come into the cleaning process and the cleaning encounter of the brazen labor and so we have that constant interaction in our life between uh, repentance and sanctification cleansing and moving forward so today we're going to be talking about the truth everybody say the truth the truth amen Uh, let me just remind you of what we have used as a scripture to set the tone where Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man come of the Father but by me. This is the progress. We studied the way. The way is the entrance into the court. And now we are getting ready to study about the truth, which is the entrance and dealing with the tabernacle. Amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's kind of been our theme, uh, scripture, and focus. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and were all baptized in the motives in the cloud and in the sea. And then he changes the connotation to spiritual and did all eat the same spiritual meat <clears throat> and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. There's some spiritual meat in the Old Testament. Powerful spiritual meat that we need to get a hold of. There's some spiritual meat in the tabernacle study and we want to dig into it today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these people that are gathered here today. Lord, these are the ones, oh God, that come, Lord, to Bible study. They're the ones, Lord Jesus, that are hungry for your word. And I pray today, Lord Jesus, that there would be illumination and revelation upon us. Help us today, God, as we study, dear God, uh, uh, your word and get the understanding of the heavenly pattern that has been shown to us, dear God, in an earthly example of the tabernacle. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let's begin with the framework of the tabernacle. The framework of the tabernacle. Once entering the gate of the outer court... Having sacrificed the brazen altar, washed in the labor, the next 
step of spiritual progress leads us directly into a tent or a tabernacle that was more uh, uh, intense, more focused even more on the presence of the Lord that is leading to us from the way, the truth, and the life. Standing before this holy building, one would see its dimensions. It is some 15 feet uh, wide and 15 feet high. Uh, the visible outer covering of badger skin uh, would, 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 would be on three sides. It would be on, if you notice here, I found a, a depiction here that the outer covering is that last one would have covered the whole building and they've given you a cutaway view here but it would be badger skin all over three sides coming down and from from the outside covering down to the bottom of the the the, the foundation of the tabernacle the tabernacle construction utilizes three different metals three different metals gold Silver and brass. Gold, silver, and brass. It's interesting that there's only a hint of brass in uh, the tabernacle proper. And when we talk about tabernacle proper, we're talking about that particular building inside of the outer court. The tabernacle proper. Gold. Gold speaks of deity and godliness. Gold is a type of deity and godliness. Silver, we've mentioned silver before, but silver is a, a type of atonement and redemption. Does anybody remember what brass means? Judgment with mercy. Judgment with mercy. When we look at the outside of the tabernacle, go to the next slide, please. We look at the outside of the tabernacle, we find that it is made up of boards Amen. There are 48 boards in three walls of the sanctuary. You will find that 20 each on the north and the south walls and eight on the west end. They're made of shatim wood overlaid with gold and each board set in silver sockets. Silver sockets. So you kind of get a, a, a depiction of how that they, they worked all these together. And we'll show you some more examples of this. But it was made of shatim wood or acacia wood, as some may call it. But this particular wood is indigenous to the uh, Sinai Peninsula, Peninsula and Desert. Today it grows to the average of 20 feet with a trunk around two, about 2 feet in diameter. The thing you need to know about shatim wood or acacia wood is that it's full of knots. It's gnarly. That's not my word. Or that's what they said. It very rarely grows straight. Doesn't that sound like people? Full of knot. We call them that knotty-headed guy. And when we call somebody gnarly, we're saying something positive. Now, back in the 80s, that was. Y'all not ready for me tonight. I can just tell you right now. <laughs> but Shatim Wood, uh, go back, if you, if you don't mind, just go, go back. and leave, leave the slide up until we just go from one to the other, okay? These are made of gnarly Naughty, hard wood that don't grow straight. Yet God takes, and what you have to understand is that these boards are a type of the church. Okay, they're a type of the church. And so God takes gnarly, not headed, hard headed, crooked people. And whittles them down and makes straight boards and then he puts his spirit over them and they have gold over them and you don't even know what's on the inside. If some of you, if you knew who, who your neighbor really was and how, how hard-headed they really were, yet you watch them speak in tongues and, and everything, they look like they're the best saint in the whole world living for God. It's because I'm covered. I'm covered by the deity of the Lord. So they tell us that left 
that a shittim wood is left on its own will never grow straight. Amazingly, God's grace takes the crooked and makes us straight. When we look at the foundation, each one of these boards rested upon sockets of silver. Sockets of silver. Everybody say silver sockets. Silver, if you'll remember, is a type of atonement and redemption. Let's go to the, the, the verse of scripture in Exodus chapter 38 and verse 27. And a hundred talents of silver were cast, the sockets of the sanctuary and the sockets of the veil. A hundred sockets of a hundred talents, a talent, a socket. The whole massive structure of these heavy boards overlaid with heavy gold sat upon silver sockets. And that means that we are sitting upon, standing upon the atonement. What separated the ground from the gold was, re, was the atonement. Was the, we talked about it on Sunday. Was the blood atonement. Amen. And so when we, when we look at ourselves and we are being separate from the world, what keeps us separate from the world is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the atonement. It's what he did for us at Calvary. All right? The whole massive structure of the temple rest upon these silver sockets. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. It is the blood that maketh atonement for your souls. So the foundation of the church is atonement. The foundation of the church is the blood of Jesus. It's a blood foundation. It's a sure foundation. Look at 2 Timothy 2 and 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. It's a sure foundation. You can stand on the redemptive work of Christ. You can stand on the blood atonement of the Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians 3 and 11. We find that other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ. He is our foundation. So we are resting upon the foundation of atonement. Somebody say glory be to God. Praise be to the Lord. Everything in the tabernacle was dependent upon the sure foundation. If you don't have a good foundation, your house is going to be a mess. Amen. We find that what we preached on Sunday was that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, the atonement of Jesus, cleanses us from all sins. Hallelujah. Let's talk about uh, from Exodus chapter 26 and verse 26. Let's look at Exodus chapter 26 and verse 26. We're going to talk about these. Now we get a, 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 this is an outside view. I gave you a little picture on your, on your page there. But this is an outside view, just a simple uh, uh, design of what, if you would look at the outside, you could see the foundation of the sockets and the boards resting in those. And, and what held them together is very interesting. But let's read the scripture, Exodus 26, 26. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle, five boards, uh, five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards on the side of the tabernacle for the two sides westward. <clears throat> Verse 28. And the middle bar in the midst of the bars shall reach from end to end. If you notice, here you have, we've got five bars. We have a middle one that goes from one end to the other, and then we have four that there's a space between. So there is a total of on each side. Okay? Somebody say, that's interesting. All right. Look at verse 29. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold and make their rings of gold for places for the bars and thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. Verse 30 says, And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle, raise up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof, which, also, which was shown thee in the mount. 
Okay, God is saying, after the pattern that I have showed you, you know, it must have been, can you imagine the vision, the vision that Moses must have had to see all this intricate detail, to see all the specific things down to the minute measurement and what it was made of? Amen. And so we find that these boards are standing in silver sockets, Standing on the foundation of, of atonement, uh, the writer uh, says in Ephesians that we are the church that is fitly joined together. We're not just one board standing by ourselves, but we are multiple boards connected with each other by the blood of Jesus and by these bars that go across the boards. We are connected with the same foundation. We are connected by the silver sockets. We are connected with the uh, tenons and with the, the rods that go across. Amen. Let's look at the next, next slide, please. A little bit bigger. So what can we see that holds the church together? What is it that keeps the church together? What a beautiful picture of the five-fold ministry being the bars that hold us together. We got the, the foundation of atonement, and then we have the ministry, the gifts of the ministry that God has given to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers that help connect the church together. Amen. I, I believe today that we still have those kinds of ministry. Now, we do not have foundational apostles to make doctrine. We don't have the authority to make doctrine as apostles, but we have the authority to do the work of Christ and do the mission of Christ as apostles. So what holds the church together is those kinds of ministry, the apostle that goes out and establishes and, 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 and sets up government, the prophet that begins to guard the church with the word of God, thus saith the Lord. You probably heard this story told by my dad or by me. But when, when my dad came into the truth of Jesus' name, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, 1948 thereabout, <clears throat> the Lord revealed to him these truths. And, and the people that he originally was connected with in, in, the, in the beginning of his ministry were very strong in, in the gifts of the Spirit. And... Uh, they had a, a group of fellowship, and among that fellowship, there were men that were known to have the gift of a prophet. I will tell you, I think very clearly that God has connected MPC to Brother Wilkes, who operates in the gift of a prophet. We got to have, we can't do without any. We need the bars. But in, my, my dad said that there was one man that he would, he would pray and seek the Lord and uh, he, he lived in Louisiana, would go in, in, in on his ranch and he would fast for two or three days and then he would come and say, honey, I want to get a bag of clothes together. The Lord's told me to go to such and such a place. One particular place, he came in. Now they knew who he was. They understood when he walked in the door. But this time he walked in the door with a wheelbarrow. Rolled up to a man in that church, reached down and picked him up and set him in the wheelbarrow. Wheeled him all around that church, went back and set him back down. Some places they have a church split. I'm sure that that, you know, you better be, better be sure it's God. If you're going to bring a wheelbarrow in, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But he looked at the man and he said, thus saith the Lord. This is the way the pastor has to do to get along with you. The Lord said, tonight's your night to get right with God. Amen. You need to go to the altar and repent. Got his wheelbarrow and left. That man went to the altar, repented, and revival broke out. Do we need prophets now? <laughs> Praise God. We need evangelists. Evangelist is not just about somebody that, that travels. It's about somebody that understands and has a gift for soul winning. All right? We need pastors and teachers. So these boards speak of the five-fold ministry that help hold together. Let's go to uh, slide 16. We're going to talk about the truth. Everybody say the truth. Amen. It just depicted a, a, a way that, that it would look if you were looking towards the entrance of the 
tabernacle proper. There are three entrances in the tabernacle. They are the outer court, the way, the holy place, which is the truth, and the veil into the holy of holies, which is the life. All three doors, listen to this, all three doors cover the same square area. But the gate of the outer court was wider and lower, while the two doors of the tabernacle are higher and more narrow. The closer you get to God, the more narrow the walk becomes. The nearer you get to his presence, the more close his, his, his requirements will be. We find the door of the holy place here consists of five pillars. Five pillars. Amen. These pillars were, were made of wood, shatim wood, overlaid with gold and had hooks on the top where the curtain would hang. The veil that hung on these pillars was made of white, fine linen with needlework of blue and purple and scarlet. Somehow they, they, they wove like a grand weaver these beautiful uh, uh, pieces of garment, these beautiful threads of garment. So once you leave the outer court, you will find that this is the last place where brass is discovered in the tabernacle. This is the last place where judgment with mercy. But what God is reminding us one more time as we enter into his presence and we get closer is that there must be humility. Brass reminds us that judgment, we, de we if we really got what we deserve, we'd be toast. We'd be Rice Krispies. But thank the Lord today that he has made a way so that we can step into his presence one step at a time. And when you look at these overlaid with gold, they had caps of gold. And everything beyond that point was gold, deity, covered over uh, wood with deity. You will find it there. This is a beautiful picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The truth is is a beautiful picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look at uh, John chapter 14. John 14 and 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. In verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. He's talking about himself here. How many know Jesus said, I am the truth, and then he said the spirit of truth is going to come, and, and, and the world can't understand it because the world can't see it. In verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And then we find verse 19, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. And verse 20, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. So he's saying there's coming a spirit of truth. There is going to come an experience that you're going to know because it's going to reveal truth to you. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. This opening here into the tabernacle was like a funnel that was going to cause the priest to come into more contact with glory, cause the priest to come in more contact with God's power. Amen. As we, as we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the intent is that we begin to know more about the truth of God. We begin to see more things about him. <clears throat> How many of you learned some things by the Spirit, not by your flesh? You didn't learn it by a preacher. You didn't learn it by a, a book. You didn't learn it by watching something on the online. But rather you learned it by the, by the inspiration, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he's the truth, so he said I'll send the Spirit back to you to comfort you, and he's going to guide you into all truth. Somebody say all truth. Only those who entered the tabernacle could see the wonders and the beauty just beyond this opening. Only those, if they stood on the outside and they were around the, the, uh, uh, 
uh, the brazen altar and there were sacrifices there and around the labor, they could just simply see a little bit. Uh, there are those today that have been around repentance uh, or they've been around baptism, but there is another dimension of God's glory that he wants in their life uh, and that is the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit because when you step into this next dimension of God's uh, uh, new birth process, it will flat revolutionize your mind. Because when you come inside, when you step inside, somebody say, wow. Wow. Let's go to the next slide. From, from, from the inside, if you were looking from the inside and you were looking at these coverings and these uh, draperies over the tabernacle, I want to say from the inside out, when you stepped into the tabernacle and you looked above you, there was fine twine linen and interwoven in that was angelic representations. The Bible speaks about cherubims that was there that were a needlework that they embroidered into that fine twine linen and the different couple colors of blue and purple and scarlet. Such a beautiful picture. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but can you imagine stepping into this dimension where there is such a glory of God because you have, if you step through the door in through this truth, on your right hand is the table of shoe bread and on the left hand would be the candlestick or the lampstand that's burning burning continually, that's shining. There is no natural light in this place. The only light is the light that comes from the fire of God by the oil that had been brought by the people, pure oil. And so you walk in and there's a flickering upon all this beauty and wonder. I want to tell you today when somebody looks at you and says, I can't explain it. I don't know how to tell you, but I know that when he filled me with his spirit, I've seen things that I've never seen before. Before. I've experienced things that I've never experienced before. We had a, a man that we pastored in Tennessee that was an over-the-road trucker, long-distance trucker. He'd come to the Lord and he'd backslide. And he'd come to the Lord and he'd backslide. He'd come to the Lord and he'd backslide. And one time he, he just, because he had never received the gift of of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And so he had gotten a tape. I'm not sure if it was one of my messages or someone else, but he got a preaching tape. And after leaving Sunday, he head out on a real long trip. He got to listen to that preaching tape. And all of a sudden, something come a hold on, got a hold of him. He pulled his rig off the side of that interstate onto the shoulder and crawled over to where the front right tire was and knelt down and began to pray. And God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there as trucks and cars are passing by him and he's speaking in tongues and the glory of the Lord and he was a different man from that day forward. I could tell you about the woman that kept praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit until one day she walked into the church with her suitcase and the pastor said, what are you doing? I come to stay until I receive what God has for me. It wasn't 15 minutes she was baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. I still believe in the demonstration like this. It's not just an, an, an option. Amen. I take or leave it. It's that if I want to step into the dimension of God's glory and God's power and see the wonders, I need his spirit. Oh man, I got to get back. I've only... So you walk in, you'd see the linen. Beyond that would be goat's hair, a covering of goat's hair, and then there was a covering of badger's, of ram skin rather, dyed red, and then on top of that is badger skin. So that is the way that they covered it and protected it, but also made the wonder and the beauty of it. Look at Exodus chapter 26 and verse 1. Moreover, they shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen, blue and purple and scarlet, with the cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. I want to tell you, I, I told Pastor Timothy this today. I said, we could spend six months on this and never scratch the surface. 
of the depth and the beauty and the wonder of the things that are in the tabernacle. So you step in, next slide, to the holy place. As we come into the holy place, and this artist's depiction is how they have a cutaway now, and you look into the holy place, and you will find three different articles of furniture. Over here on this side would be the table of shoe bread, the candlestick, or the lampstand, and then the altar of incense. Amen. Somebody say the table of shoe bread. The golden candlestick. The altar of incense. You will find that in this room, it is a place of constant ministry and service. It is a, there's no chairs. There's no chairs that I've ever found that are here. When you get into a place of God's presence, it just takes precedent. I've got to be with him in the labor. I've got to be with him in the shulbred and the golden candlestick and the altar of incense. Quickly, let me show you an overview. The table of shulbred is the communion in the word. The golden candlestick speaks of God's Holy Spirit anointing the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The altar of incense is where we come in contact with prayer and worship. Amen. So we've come through the door, and the first thing we're going to come in contact with that we're going to study is the table of shoebread. The table of shoebread. The table's purpose was to show the bread, hence shoebread. In that deep, you know, sometimes things are just simply what they are. <laughs> Brother Mike would kind of, kind of I too tend to make it complicated. The Lord wants to show us His Word. <clears throat> the table's purpose was to show the bread, where twelve small, flat, round loaves were laid out in an orderly fashion, so as to be displayed. The bread is sometimes referred to as being the shoe bread because it literally means the bread of face. The bread set before the face of God. Look at Exodus chapter 25 and verse 23. Thou shalt make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof and a cubit the breadth thereof and a cubit the height thereof. You're to overlay it with pure gold and make thereunto a crown of gold round about. All right? The construction of this was made of shatim wood, that old rough wood, that shatim wood overlaid with deity. So here we have humanity overlaid with deity. Anybody know what John 1.14 says? Come on. And the, and the word was made flesh. I, 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 I have to hold myself back because I want to get ahead of myself, but let me throw you a little teaser. When we get into the ark and we see the ark, we see the beautiful reality of the oneness of God. So we find that the Lord made the ark out of shatim wood and he overlaid it with gold and within and without to the point that where when they overlaid it with gold, the molecules so was compacted together with the wood until you couldn't see where the wood stopped and you couldn't find where the gold started. There's something about Jesus. Hallelujah. We find that it is located directly on the opposite of the, uh, of the candlestick. Let me share with you some names that were given in Scripture for this, this particular piece of furniture. The table of shoe bread, the table of shatim wood, the pure table, the table of gold. You will find that the Hebrews called it the bread of his presence, the bread of face, the face of God. Amen. The bread of order or arrangement. Let's look at the next uh, slide, please. Let's talk about the bread and its function. It was made of fine flour. 
In Leviticus, you can look these up. Leviticus 24 and 5 made a fine flour. The bread was for memorial in verse 7. The bread was to be set in order every Sabbath continually, verse 8. And in verse 9 tells us the bread was to be eaten in the holy place. This is the function, the overall function of the bread. The fine flour can only come after it has been crushed and after it has been pressed. Fine. Amen. Jesus is a beautiful picture of the bread. Matter of fact, he said that he was. Look at John 6 and 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Then just a few verses later in verse 51, he said, I am the living bread which come down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Amen. The bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You know what Jesus said? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. And it blew the mind of the religious leaders because they couldn't see beyond their nose. They could not see that he wasn't talking about his physical body. He was talking about going to Calvary and laying his flesh as a lamb on the altar and slaying uh, and, and being slain of his own will and volition. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, he's the bread. And if you want to get to heaven, you have to eat him. You have to partake of him. You have to eat the word. It's the word of God, the bread of God. He is the bread of life. Look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 17. Amen. For we being many are one bread and one body. Listen to this. For we are all partakers of that one bread. When you eat the bread together, you become one together. We're all bread. We're all bread. We're all bread. Why? Because we eat the bread called Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the wonder bread for sure. In the bread we find fellowship, communion, spiritual nourishment, healing, and life. We know that Jesus is the word, John 1 and 1. Jesus is the bread. And if we partake of him, if we eat of him, then we have communion with him. All right, let's go to the, the next one. I want to talk to you about the significance of the crown. Can you see that? Everybody can see the crown. <clears throat> the Lord said in his word, you're going to make this made of pure gold, and you're going to put a crown of gold round about. It's going to be a border. It's going to be an edge. Praise God. You're going to make a crown round about. There's some significance in that crown because the crown keeps the bread in its place. The crown keeps the bread in its place. And the crown speaks of heavenly authority, King. Y'all just going to have to, I'm going to be like the boy and eat that last piece of pie. He said, Mama, give it to me. I'll eat and bust. Get out of the way. I feel like I'm about to bust right now. Amen in my spirit. The crown speaks of heavenly authority. Next slide. You will find that there is crown and offices, two different ones spoken of in the Old Testament. The first crown is worn by the high priest called a, a mitre that he wore. The Bible speaks about it as the Holy crown, Exodus 29 and 6. It speaks about the crown of anointing, Leviticus 21 and 12. The second crown is worn by a king who is duly anointed. Jesus Christ is said to be after the order of uh, uh, Melchizedek to be the king priest. So he not only wears the crown as king, he is my high priest which can be touched with the feeling of my infirmity. And what does he do? Amen. He is the word and he is the crown. And it is his his authority that holds the word in place. It is his power and his anointing that holds the word in place. Woo! Let me show you this. Look at the next one. Jeremiah 1 and 12. Jeremiah 1 and 12. Look at this. Then said the Lord unto me, 
thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. If you look on the screen, that's great. But you ought to find this in your Bible and mark it and double mark it. Amen. The Lord said, you've seen and that's good. But I want you to know, I will hasten my word to perform it. You know what the word hasten means? The Lord is saying, I will watch over my word. I will protect my word. Hallelujah. I'll protect my word and I'll perform it. So his crown around his word is saying what Jeremiah recorded. The Lord said, my word is so important to me I will hasten I will protect it I will oversee it hallelujah I've said it before, I say it again. God does not respond to our need. He responds to his word. He's not looking for our poor me. Look how bad I got it. He's looking for us to say, Lord, your word says. Lord, your word says. Lord, your word says. Lord, your word says. The anointing of the priest and king keeps his word in place. Luke 21 and 33, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. <laughs> Exodus 25 and 30, and thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me all way, all way. There's got to be bread and it's got to be fresh bread. It needs to put in its appropriate place. So when you walk in, you're going to have something anointed, alive and vibrant. Amen. This word that you and I study, it's not just some dumb novel it's not just some rhetorical historical book but it is the living breathing wonder of God praise God oh Jesus when I see the wonder of God and how he puts things together it blows my mind Let's go to the next one. Let's point number four. Let's talk about the candlestick. The candlestick. The candlestick. The golden candlestick is the most elaborate, ornate of all the holy vessels. It's I did a little research. There is no direct defining how heavy it was, other than we're told it's a talent. I've come across all kinds of things, but if, 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 if what this one person said was true, and got it off the internet, so take it with a grain of salt. This is worth almost 2.8 today million dollars. Made of pure gold. Let's read a scripture. Exodus 25 and 31. Thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work, Shall the candlestick be made, his shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knobs and his flowers shall be the same. Verse 32, six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of one side and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Hence we have this depiction here. Okay. Three bowls were made like an almonds with a knop and a flower in one branch and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch with a knop and a flower so that the six branches that come out of the candlestick. When you look at this beautiful ornate piece, we know for sure that it speaks to us about the light of God. Matter of fact, 1 John 1 and 5 says, This is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. One writer said, Neither shadow of turning. You can't, when you're in his presence, it's all light. There's no shadows anywhere. It's all light. I'm going to a city 1,500 miles long, and the Lamb is the light of that city. There won't be shadows there. I can't explain it. I don't know how, but he's going to be the light. He's going to be the light. Mm -mm -mm. The first creative work of God was to say, let there be light. 
God's first step to move the earth forward from being without form and void was to have creative light. Amen. The light of truth shines in darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. Amen. In John 8 and 12 it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of of life. You stay close to Jesus, you're going to be illuminated. Let's look at the candlestick and at its construction. Let's look at the candlestick. You will find that it was hammered out of gold with an estimated worth of $2.8 million today. This, this, this candlestick, it, it, it would be probably more easier to understand if we called it a lampstand. Stand, a lampstand. This is, uh, there wasn't a candle in it. But at the top, these held oil and flames would come from the, the top of those, uh, I guess you would say, the, the, the lamps there. By beaten work, the Bible calls it beaten work, we understand that it was not cast by a mold. It was one of a kind, hammered and beaten into the right shape, and the right dimension. With care, the craftsman pounded out every flower, every branch, every bowl, and every knob. The vessels was crafted out of the one piece of gold. The light shining from this vessel came from the seven lamps. And so yet it was seven lamps, but one light. Seven lamps, but one light. The lamps are never said to be shining their lights, but rather, in a plural sense, but rather they shine their light, singular. One light. One light. Look at Exodus chapter 27 and verse or chapter 27 verse 20 and it speaks to this it says and thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring the pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp singular to burn always at the start of the day in our method of calculation in the beginning of the morning to, to God the day begins in the evening as the creator, he said the evening and the morning were the first day. So when he says to them that they are to bring the light, that means that the lamp was to be burning 24-7, 365 days a year. The light was to burn. Amen. It was to never go out. Let's look at some facts about this. There are no specific dimensions given to its height or its depth. The light cannot be defined by our human calculation. Somebody say amen. Made out of one piece of gold, one is significant of unity, oneness. Speaking of oneness of not just the Lord, but the church. We find that there are seven lamps and seven denotes spiritual perfection and the number of life. When you begin to look at this lamp, you will find that it has speaks of its shaft and its branches. The shaft here. It translates the body or the side. It gives reference to the, a living person. As if this, 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 this center comes up, it's speaking of a shaft that the divine pattern called for his branches to come out of the one. He is the vine and we are the... All of these come out of one. Jesus Christ is the light, amen, and if we are in him, then we become the light. He is the shaft, we are the branches. He is the anointed one, we are his anointed. He works in what we need to work out. Hallelujah, let me show a scripture that kind of shows some light on this. Hebrews chapter two and verse 11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. You know that scripture that says, work out your own salvation with, fe with, with fear and trembling? How many have heard that? But don't stop there. For if the Bible goes on to say, and I'm just paraphrasing, it is Christ that works in us. Amen. I, I've used this illustration before. Brother Timothy can flat tear up a sax, 
But that sax by itself is just a piece of metal. You and I are the sax. We're the saxophone. We have the potential to make beautiful melody, but we need one blowing through us. Hallelujah. When it says work out your salvation, that means whatever God is working in you, you've got to work out. Whatever he's blowing through you, you've got to let it come through you. You've got to let him work through you. Amen. If you're connected to the shaft, if you're connected to the sinner, if you're connected to the Lord, then all of a sudden you begin to produce the same thing he produces. That's what it means when we are sanctified that all are one. The lamp reveals to us a pattern of revelation. Proverbs 4 and 18. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The path of the just. Not just God, but the path of the just. Is your light shining today? Amen. The, the bowls, the knops, and the flowers are of an almond design. They demonstrate the pattern of growth, a bud, a leaf, and a flower. The path of the just is to be like that. We are going to have to learn every day that we're just not living on yesterday's revival. We're living on present day. I'm living in victory today, not just on what I happened five years ago, six years, or back in 2005 or, or 2001. I'm living on right now. His grace is sufficient for me today. I am victorious today, not predicating on what I feel or what I see. Praise God. So we need to understand that this progression here shows growth, 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 growth. I want to talk to you about the labor and the candlestick and how they're connected. There's a connection between the labor and the candlestick. All right? The candlestick here speaks of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The labor is a type of water baptism. They have a lot in common. One thing you will not find connected to the candlestick or the laver is there, there's no wood in it. There's, there's no wood. There's no humanity connected to it. So when I come to the waters of baptism or the waters of cleansing or, or sanctification even after I've been baptized, when I come to that... It's not about me. It's about him. When I come to the candlestick, it's not about me. It is about him. I don't get the Holy Ghost just to get doodads and, and, and goosebumps. I get the Holy Ghost because he wants to see me and he wants to see you become like him. Both were totally constructed of metal, no wood. The laver was made of brass and the candlestick of gold. Both of them, and there are just a limited amount of information to the size and the character of, of the, this is all we have. We, we don't really know. The, they, they speculate to how big it was or how small it was. There's all kinds of debates about, uh, about different things about the candlestick. But we did not have dimensions of the, 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 the laver and we don't have true dimensions of the candlestick. So what I believe it's very important is the Lord is saying whatever you need in cleansing I've got all you need. Whatever you need in illumination and revelation I've got all you need. Hallelujah. I don't care. Amen. If, 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 if this nation goes haywire he's still got all I need whether it's cleansing or revelation. Show me. Show me your glory Lord. Let's look quickly at the purpose of the of the candlestick. The purpose of the candlestick was to light the holy place. It was secondly to shed the light, quote, before the Lord, unquote. Third, to light the table of shewbread and the altar of incense. And four, to reveal the candlestick itself. I want to go through these with you here tonight. The true church will have true light. If we have the power of the Spirit, if we have the power of the Spirit, there's no need to fake it. There's no need to hype it. There's no need for our worship leaders to pump it. 
There's no need for altars to be barren. While the natural light gave light to the brazen altar and to the laver, the holy place had divine light. It takes the spirit, folks, to understand the vast majority of things of God. It takes the spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. I've watched over the years people that have gifts, and God uses them in the various gifts, and I'm thinking, it's amazing how that he'll take people that look like they don't have the common sense to get out of the rain. And use them in the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Yeah. Amen. But God's revealed him by his spirit. Look at, look at, look at verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of God that save the spirit of, of man that is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Why do you think that 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 our news media just keeps getting things about God wrong. They're trying to get it by natural means. And I want to tell some of these jokers that go on there and they're trying to share truth and they're, they're being activists and I, God bless them. But you're wasting your time and the truth. Until there's a hunger for truth, they're not going to see it. I don't know why I put that out there, but maybe that'll be good for somebody. <clears throat> Let's go to verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, concerning spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the light of the candlestick is to bring the illumination and the revelation so we would have that. Ah, I get it. I see it. Okay, I get it. All right, let's look at the second reason that it is there, and that is to shed light before the Lord. This is the purpose of the church in the candlestick. Exodus 40 and 25. And he lighteth the lamps before the Lord. He lighteth the lamps the priest did before the Lord. The light was to shine in God's presence. We must be willing and able to shine before the Lord so that we can show this world the way. Amen. We need to have that light and shine it before the Lord in his presence. Let's look at the third reason. To light the table of the shewbread and the altar of incense. Amen. We will find Exodus chapter 40 and verse 24. And he put the candlestick in the tent of the congregation over against the table and on the side of the tabernacle southward. And he lighteth the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded. And then we find in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 26. And he put the golden altar in the tent of the congregation before the veil. And, the burnt, and he burnt sweet incense thereon as the Lord commanded Moses. So the candlestick provided illumination at the word. And the candlestick provided illumination at the worship and at prayer. It's when the spirit gets connected to your prayer. Amen. That you'll see God begin to move. For the Bible says that we, we can't pray sometimes as we, we ought to. But the spirit makes intercession for us. What is it? It's the spirit shining on the worship and shining on the prayer. Same thing about the word. The fourth reason for the candlestick was to reveal itself. Numbers 8, verse 2. Speaking to Aaron, saying to him, When thou lightest the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick. The light revealed the beauty of everything in the tabernacle, but it also revealed the beauty of the lamp itself. <laughs> We will find that the light is the great revealer. We find that the comforter, the spirit of truth that we read about, Jesus said he's going to testify of me, revealing himself. 
God is called the fountain of life. And in him, thy light shall we see light. And in thy light shall we see light. Uh, uh, Psalm 36 and 9. It's when I get into God's presence that I begin to see him more. Then he said to the early church, you shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus said, uh, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, after the Spirit illuminates you. Amen. Uh, I believe that it is very important uh, that we allow the revelation of the Holy Ghost to come upon us even if we've been filled with the Spirit for 40 years. We need God's revelation every day. The Bible said that the lamps were to never go out. Leviticus 24 and 2. Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. Somebody say pure olive. How many have read about the, the five wise and the five foolish virgins that are said to be in the last day? Amen. What was so important? You had to have the oil. You need the oil in your life. Amen. There's going to be oil somewhere. There was oil in that moment. There was some place they can go and get it. I want to make sure that I have the oil of God's spirit in me so I can illuminate the candlestick is made out of pure olive oil, beaten for light. And that caused the lamp to shine. Let me just share with you something that is so beautiful, I think, connected to the olive. Jesus agonized in prayer in Gethsemane, where his blood mingled with his sweat as it seeped through the pores of his skin, and his sweat became as great drops of blood. Gethsemane, which means anointing or olive press was a place where they beat out olives to capture pure oil. Without the oil, the lamp is a heavyweight piece of gold. But what happened is that on Calvary, the olive of Jesus Christ was crushed and smashed. He was, the Bible said he was bruised. He was beaten. What was happening is that in that crushing, there was a greater purpose. Because he was the pure olive. There was nothing wrong with him. And so that captured the oil. What did they do with the oil? Went over to Acts chapter 2. And in the church, the Bible speaks about the church as being the candlestick. Read Revelation. Amen. The church is the candlestick. So he took the oil and he pours it on the church. And so the church became illuminated. And there set upon them cloven tongues like as a fire. Where did that come from? It came from Calvary. It came from Calvary. Where did the light come from? For the candlestick. From the altar. From the altar. Amen. I believe today that we need to understand the continuity and the cohesiveness of truth that the Lord wants us to see through his tabernacle is that he's still working. Amen. If he took the time to make the detail and put everything in place so that I can see him better and I can see me better and I can see the church better then how much more amen does he look at you and me who he says is now the tabernacle the temple of his Holy Spirit how much more does he look at us and say I want illumination in you I want you to have the word I want you to come into the holy place I want you to know me stand with me please the light was to Never go out. The New Testament said like this. Quench not the spirit. Don't extinguish the spirit. Let the spirit burn. Let the Holy Spirit burn in your life. Amen. Quench it not. Let it burn. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Would to God that somebody calls me. In the middle of the night and said, hey, pastor, I was just out in my barn praying. Here's what the Holy Ghost said to me. Here's what the Spirit said to me. Let it, let it go. Watch what God will do. Watch how he will move. The oil of the Spirit, the light of the lamp is to burn continually in us. Here's the thing about light. He said, every time you turn a switch on and light comes on, 
Where does the darkness go? Who tells it to leave? It's just a natural process. And when the light comes on, the darkness goes. Jesus said like this, and I concluded this on your notes, John 1 and 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. It doesn't matter how dark it is out there. Matter of fact, the greater the darkness, the more powerful a little light. My dad said in World War II that they wouldn't allow those who were smokers to smoke at night. Because up in the airplane they could see that flicker of a cigarette. In this world that we're living in right now, we are dealing with unspeakable darkness. Darkness I, I, I can't even comprehend. I can't even comprehend. I got family that is putting witchcraft altars on their front porch. Witchcraft altars on their front porch. I can't comprehend that. I can't, I can't, I can't understand that. But there is such darkness. Just a little light, though, will make a lot of difference. Oh, Spirit of God, would you shine on us? Would you shine in this world today? Hallelujah. Take it, take it with you. Take it with you when you leave. Let, let the glory of God shine in you. Lift up your voice right now in this place. Let's worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He is the truth. He is the truth. He is the revelation. He is the revealer. He is the one and the only that can open up the door of revelation to us. Hallelujah. Lord, show me your glory. I'm not there yet. I don't know it all yet. I haven't arrived, oh God. I'm not, Lord, totally understanding everything, oh Lord. I just need more of you. I need more of your word. I need to eat your word daily. I need to let the light shine daily. Oh God, that I would be, Lord, in your presence. Lord Jesus, in your presence. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.